Welcome to City Council. I'm Paula Viganalan. And I'm Ellery Smith. And I'm really excited for today's episode. We have an incredible interview with Kenneth Mejia. I, I loved it. It was I'm, so I'm good. I'm obsessed with him. He's running for city controller. I always want to say controller. I thought it was comptroller. <laughs> I did. Because it, that's a thing too, right? That's also a thing. And I thought it was the same thing. But but it's city controller. Yeah. What's yeah. the difference between... Somebody write in. Tell us what the difference is between controller and comptroller. I thought... Isn't a comptroller the person who directs the planes? What? <laughs> I might have made that up. <laughs> you think that's... Is that true? When people run for that in the city, is that what they're running for? <laughs> is that a city position? Comptroller? I thought I just made it up. I don't know. Let's well, so see. what's the difference? I think it has to do with funds. Comptroller, yeah, oversees the, the cost passage. that goes into the services a company is so providing. Controller is concerned with the bottom line. Oh, so there are two different financial positions inside the city. But literally when you're waving planes in, that's controlling a lot of financial That's decisions. what I thought. I thought it was like the people with the big lit up. Wait, what are, like what are people with the big, what are people with the Air legs? traffic directors? I don't but know. But they're on the, the mics. They're um, on the mics and they're on the ground, I thought. Airport lighting aids. <laughs> no, that can't be right. Dude, I keep seeing jobs to work at the TSA and they pay really well. And I'm like, should I just do it? You should do it and then just confiscate everybody's lotions. That's what they do. They do that. I'm I've, sure they keep it. I, I would tried keep to it. bring peanut butter we, on my last flight. <laughs> you told me about this. And they threw it out. I don't like that they throw it out. Maybe they didn't throw it out. I hope they ate it. I hope, yeah, I hope they, like, I hope they confiscate things from, like, rich people and then just keep it. Because if you're in the airport, you're already, like, at a level, at a status. Sure. That's true. That's true. But I'm also, like, is peanut butter liquid? Like, let's be real. I think it depends. I think if it's vegan peanut butter, there's definitely liquid in there. Or not vegan. Like, what is it? Natural. The organic peanut butter? Yeah. No, this was jiffy. This was, like... This was like thick, solid, thick, thick peanut yeah, butter. It was basically plastic. That's why companies are making their products more plastic, just to get through TSA. Talking to your cousin, yeah, she was talking about all of the things that are here and not in India. And yeah. I do think part of the reason is because other countries are better about keeping toxic products off the market. And here they're sort of like, whatever, if it sells, it sells. I don't know if that's true. Like, I definitely know in Europe, like that's... Probably Europe. But not India. But I don't think India... I don't think, I think they make all sorts of things there. Yeah, probably. They make bleaching creams for your face. Oh, God, that's so true. Like, ah! Okay. We are ready to play a game. Yeah, let's play a game. Do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? Um, you can go first. Okay, this is a fill-in-the-blank game, speed round. I have seven questions. I'm just going to do them one right after another. Okay. Okay, this week, a rocket launch from state to the moon uh, was supposed to go, and it was called off two hours ago. Florida? Yeah. They launch a lot of stuff in Florida. My friend's it's there. It's yeah. yeah. My friend's there right now and they Cape have Canaveral. to postpone. They, yeah, that's the one I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah, because the plane got too hot or something. The plane, that's not a good sign. That's what That's what I read is that off. the temperature was, yeah, the temperatures were off and so they didn't want to. That's good. But I'm also like, why are it. we going to the moon? We've already been there. You hate space. I'm, I'm just like, let's focus on what we have here. <laughs> Ellery hates space. I do hate space. Elleryhatespace.com. I think it's like, not only do I think it's like incredibly not interesting, I think it, keep, <gasps> it keeps us from like fixing things on planet Earth. I can understand the latter point. I get that. But I also think that fixing things is not mutually exclusive. Like you don't have to study like one science yeah, or one no, thing. Yeah, so true. But it's so interesting. How can you not think space is interesting? I'm like, oh, it's infinite. We get it. Shut up. Oh my God, it's <laughs> so cool though. Okay. We've talked about this. In the same state, Donald Trump's residence was raided by the FBI where they found 15 boxes containing blank amount of classified documents. I'm looking for a number. 
Oh, it was, it's like a crazy number. Yeah. It's not in the millions, is it? No, no, no. It's, it's way like, lower than that. Yeah, it's like thousands. No, no? even lower, yeah. Really? Just of 800? Cla- 154 classified documents. Oh, I'm thinking about pages of documents. Oh, no, these are just okay, like, okay. you know, documents. It definitely would have been in the thousands of pages, for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw the breakdown today where it was what was classified, what was top secret, and what was like basically an American state secret that like would ruin us if we got it out, and there was a lot of that. <laughs> Would ruin us, as in would ruin the upper class, or would ruin America? The big discussion right now is that there was, like, some information about state informants that could have gotten those people killed. Oh, And I think did get some people killed, potentially, and that's, like, what the real problem is. Wait, so, oh, shit, that happened? Like, they did get killed? Well, they have to go through and decide what potentially caused what, but there's, like, a list of people killed in service and then a list of, like, people who were serving, and if that list was published or was seen by any of the wrong people, they could be connected. Does that make sense? Oh, my God. Yeah. So... Scary. I know. I was hearing that today, and I was sort of just like, oh my god, like, I can't even handle how crazy that is. <laughs> I can't keep track of my receipts, so I don't... I mean, I guess I get it, but also we're not running for president. That's what I'm saying. It's like, I would never do that. <laughs> That's why I'm a comedian. The crossover between, like, entertainers who think they should be politicians. Just another thing. The ego of We that. have Ronald Reagan to thank for. Okay, three blank soldiers were shot in Indianapolis outside of a hotel. One died. This three. week. Oh, shit. Three blank soldiers? Is this like a country? or It's a nationality, yeah. Russian? Dutch. Dutch? Yeah, there were three Dutch soldiers. I don't, don't know why they were in Indianapolis, but they were shot outside of a hotel. Oh my god, mystery. Yeah. Mystery. Who's, who's going to take up the true crime rights? I mean, honestly, probably the Dutch embassy. But it is funny that like when other countries... You know how other countries will like publish lists of like places that they think are safe or not safe to go to yeah. and why? And America's always, like, on the unsafe list because yeah. it's, vi- it's violent. Yeah. Uh, it's so fucked. Okay, disgraced actor Blank was at the VMAs this week moonwalking in a spacesuit. Oh, wasn't it Johnny Depp? Yeah, good who job. Was, like, he had, like, some screen or something. I didn't see the performance because I'm not going to give that a click, but... I just saw a description about he was, like, he wasn't there physically. It was, like... Oh, I thought he was in a space. I thought he, they had him dress up and was there physically, but no, he, like, I think it was, like, it was, like, something. a screen. I don't know. It would have been funnier if it was Kevin Spacey, but that's just my... I, th- I was thinking about Kevin Spacey. <laughs> Kevin Bacon, non-problematic as far as I know. I'm sure there's something out I'm there. I'm sure there's something. <laughs> but he re- he did like a country remix of Heated by Oh, really? Beyonce. How yeah. was it? It was good. Wait, Kevin Bacon, does he sing? I guess. I don't know. If yeah. you're covering Beyonce, you're expected for it to be not that not as good. Not as good. He released a video of him like chilling on a farm with goats, and I'm like, that's what old white men need to do. So they true. just need to go to a farm in the <laughs> sky. <laughs> no, just a farm down somewhere. Upstate. And just do covers of Beyonce and just not make any political statements. I do prefer when covers are interpretations of the song, like reinterpretations. Like yeah. I love cover songs. I know that's really lame. But I think I, it's fun. I like when they change the genre. Like Weezer came out with the album of all covers, but they were straight covers. Mm. And so I was sort of like, why bother? Yeah. Oh wait, the, the Dr. Oz with the no. That's so Did funny. you see Dr. Oz was standing with a bunch of servers and waiters from a restaurant and the girl in the middle flipped the sign. So instead of Oz, it said no. Yeah. I loved that. And then someone had no on Oz. Like, oh, that's really lines. funny. That was the one that you saw. Yeah. Okay, wait, this is Kevin Bacon. Got a lot of 
He's better than expected. That's what happens when dancing is outlawed. You have to learn how to sing. I still love that the goat is all up in his business. Yeah, and there's one goat just in a tube. I want to farm so badly. Me too. Give me space and time. He actually played. <laughs> he played. <laughs> Anyways, it's like a, a nice chill song that with was a great. goat. I Fuck like you, that. Johnny Depp. Do what Kevin Bacon's doing. Just be not a problem. I mean. <laughs> as far as we know. That whole thing is just so. Okay. In an unlisted 22-minute long video, actress and singer Blank reveals all about her family drama and then immediately deleted her Instagram. She deleted the full Instagram? Her Instagram's not up anymore. Britney Spears? Yeah. So I'm wondering what's going on with that. Yeah, I'm wondering too. Because she just came out with a song. With Elton John? Yeah. Yeah, I saw that. I didn't realize she deleted her whole Instagram. I thought she deleted the post. That's crazy. I tried to look her up yesterday and I couldn't find her. She has you blocked. <laughs> she has. And Britney Spears has me blocked. And listen, I have... That's fine. If, if that's what I, we this need. This is how I find out you're pro-conservatorship. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, it's not there anymore. Well, I hope yeah. she's doing okay. Me whatever too. happens. Honestly, it's probably better. Yeah. Well, whatever. Who knows? Maybe she just needs a break for we're, a minute. We're rooting for her. Yeah. Okay. This Saturday is blank, and theaters like AMC and Regal are showing blank. This Saturday is blank. Wait, what's Saturday? The third. The third. It's one of those fake holidays. National Dog Day already happened. No, but you're close. It's National just... Cat Day? No, but think about movies. <laughs> but then I was singing Cats. <laughs> oh, ha, ha, ha. Oh, that's funny. That's good. National Treasure. <laughs> I don't know. I have no idea. It's National Movie Day, and movies oh. are going to be $3 at Regal and AMC this Saturday. Oh, I didn't know there was a National Movie Day. Well, I think they made it up. That's fun. Okay. I well. mean, it's all made up. Okay, this I is... just saw Nope, and it was really great. Oh, yeah, it was. I liked it a lot. Oh, we were supposed to see The Minions, you and me, again. We should go see We the should minions. still see it. It was fun. It was only an hour. The music was great. I really liked it. I had a really yeah. good time. I thought, I was like, this is exactly what movies should be. We were just saying that how there are too many franchises. Yeah, I and know. then we're, and like, we're like, Minions! We're buying into it all. <laughs> But I'm also like, I saw The Lost City, and I thought that was also really good. It was, it knew exactly what it was. It like, is was, that the Jurassic one? No, it's like with um, Sandra Bullock and oh. Channing Tatum. And it was like, just a fun rom-com, and it was short. And I love that Sandra Bullock is like pulling all these young dudes. I know, it's great. It's, it's great. wild. It's great. Okay, this is my last question. Okay. And it's kind of a toughie. In a recent study about how Americans think climate policy is thought of around the world, most Americans guessed that global public support for things like a climate tax or the Green New Deal is around 30 to 40 percent. The real number is much higher at blank. I don't want to have you guess the real number of support. 73. That was so good. It's 60 to 80 percent. Oh, wow. That was right in the middle. Wow. Wow. Good job. <laughs> Yay me. That was crazy. See, we support things. It is cool, except for until you think about how Americans will be like, there's no political will to do anything because everybody's like, well, only 30% of the world like actually wants to do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When in reality, 80% of the world is like, why aren't, why aren't you doing anything? Yeah, but if they're not white, they don't count. <laughs> I think you're forgetting that. Okay, Global South, taken out. Yeah. No, but even, I mean, that's true in the U.S. Like, 
Roe v. Wade. Yeah, that's so right? true. Right? Like, it doesn't reflect the will of the people, basically. That's so true. And also, what's so interesting about that is that, like, public opinion just doesn't matter. I mean, I guess we'll see in the midterms, but, like, to the people in charge, public opinion doesn't It doesn't, doesn't matter, matter when it, like, you, it's weaponized very selectively, right? They're like, people don't want to wear masks. Yeah. God, it's so true. <laughs> like, it's so true. Uh, it's, I don't know. Okay. Um, let's go into my trivia game, which is just a lot of bad news. Perfect. Um, so, but we, we're going to say it in a really fun, upbeat way. Okay. <laughs> I, love, I love that approach, too. That's how I'm going to do it. It's like talking to a baby. Oh if you, God. It doesn't it matter what is. you say. It's just how you say it. Okay, here me, we go. Me starting to cry when I hear the news. Okay, ready? Yes. Low water levels in the Danube River, the second longest river in Europe, revealed what headline-making item? Dinosaur footprints, dead bodies, sunk Nazi warships, treasure chests. Sunk Nazi warships. Sunk Nazi warships. The dinosaur footprints were in Texas. Yes. Killing it. Killing it. Which South Carolina Republican had a change of heart about the anti-abortion bill he supported when he realized it affects people's health? What? I don't think you're going to get this. I didn't write down options. What? It was. Wait, what? He didn't realize it would affect people's health? We're going to we're gonna cut to the clip, Johnny. <laughs> I voted for the pain-capable bill, the fetal heartbeat bill, and fetal heartbeat has been for six weeks now. The second week that, this, that the fetal heartbeat bill became law, a doctor called me out of Anderson. I live in Easley. A 19-year-old girl appeared at the ER. She was 15 weeks pregnant. Her water broke. And the, the fetus was unviable. The standard of care was to advise her uh, that they could extract or she could go home. The attorneys told the doctors that because of the fetal heartbeat bill, because that 15-week-old had a heartbeat, the doctors could not extract. So their only choices were to admit the 19-year-old until that fetal heartbeat stopped. I asked, how long does it take to stop? She said, seconds, minutes, hours, maybe days, or discharge. They discharged that 19-year-old. The doctor told me at that point, there's a 50% chance, well first, she's gonna pass this fetus in the toilet. She's going to have to deal with that on her own. Oh There's a 50% chance, greater than 50% chance, that she's going to lose her uterus. There's a 10% chance that she will develop sepsis and herself die. That weighs on me. I voted for that bill. These are affecting people. I that literally... was Republican Representative Neil Collins. I feel so complicated about that clip because, like, on one hand, I'm... I'm glad that he got there mentally and, like, understands the consequences of that. But on the other hand, I'm like, this is why people who don't have any intimate knowledge of how that works should not be voting on those bills. Yeah, it just really pisses me off because I'm like, people have been telling... It's not like the knowledge wasn't out there. It's not like the knowledge wasn't out he there. He just fucking voted on something and only changed his mind once some random person called him. Oh, my God. And I'm also, like, I'm so sick of people having revelations that women are also people. Does that make sense? Like, I, I can't see another person's, like, come to Jesus moment about how they realize that, like, oh, women's health matters. But I have a daughter. I'm like, fuck off. Fuck, fuck all the way off. And it's like, it's not even just women. It's like, it extends out so far to people who need that kind of care. 
Uh, it's it's like your joke about what gender affirming care is. Oh, <laughs> yeah. You have a really funny joke about gender affirming care, Thank and like much. when men take like testosterone and stuff, they don't think that that's gender affirming. No, care. they don't. They don't think about that at all. You know what? No more Viagra. No more. No more Viagra. No more anything. I used to do this joke before the fall of Roe v. Wade that is just not that funny anymore. But it was about how like I love when during sex men say whose pussy is this because then I get to be like technically the government's. Yeah. <laughs> that's a really that's one of my favorite jokes of yours. It's a good one, but people don't laugh anymore because um Because it's true. Because it's true. So <laughs> Okay. Okay. <laughs> Hopefully you can do that joke again and we can one get some rights back. Yeah, literally. Okay. This one's kinda of funny, but <laughs> the the first part is not funny. The second part is pretty funny. A black firefighter in Rochester, New York, filed a discrimination lawsuit after being pressured by his captain to go to a party thrown by the Nicosias, a white couple that mocked Juneteenth with KFC buckets and other racist tropes. After the white couple's white attorney, Corey Hogan, stated, I challenge you, the press, look into their backgrounds, find anything they've done in their lives, their 50-plus years' lives that's racist. What did the press find find out not 25 minutes later? Shut up, that's so funny. Racist tweets, blackface in college, a plantation wedding, <gasps> or underpaying immigrants in their household. D, all of the above. <laughs> that was, there was four choices. Well, the only thing that they found that we know of 25 minutes later was racist tweets. Racist tweets, okay. She admitted that she was the owner of an anonymous Twitter account that posted racist tweets. If you watch this video, look up the video of, like, the press conference and how, like, the lawyer is so insistent that they're, he's like, I There's challenge you. Also, he presented, like, pictures from the event. And then during the press conference, one of the reporters was like, I'm sorry, are these actual pictures of the event? And they were like, well, we didn't have any, so I asked them to recreate it. And it was just like a Juneteenth poster and a cutout of Trump. They just made their lawns racist again. <laughs> <laughs> like, for the purpose. They were like, listen, we know it's bad the first time, but what if we just recreated what if we, it? If we could do it better. So that people knew it wasn't that bad. <laughs> it was insane. The, the cut, hold on, I have to, I have to, I have to play the video of like the last part of the clip because it's too funny and they cry mary and dr nicholas created a hostile work environment and discriminated against him i challenge you the press look into their backgrounds find anything they've done in their lives their 50 plus years lives that's racist we didn't have to wait long or ah! far to accept that challenge because 25 minutes after it was made Mary Nicosia admitted she's the owner of an anonymous Twitter account that she and the lawyer admit posted racist tweets. Mary Nicosia apologized for that. I'm dying. So I'm but like the, the immediate. They didn't have to wait long. Dude, that was. So <laughs> that was <laughs> oh my god, that was. And really did you good. see when he was like, "They've never done anything racist." The guy was like scratching his neck, like, "I hope they don't find anything." <laughs> oh my god, do you remember when? That like white Republican senator or somebody had a alt Twitter account where he was pretending to be a gay black man. For yeah, Trump, and he replied to one of his own tweets. Ugh. It was so funny. People are wild. People are crazy. Which former child star is running on a pro police platform for city council ben in Savage. West Hollywood? Ben Savage. Corey from Boy Meets World. I couldn't even get to the things with that. The choices. You got it. Disappointing. The Savage family, didn't Fred Savage have to leave because of accusations? Just gonna ask you that. I thought I heard something about Fred Savage. But then there's also, Dan Savage is not related to them, right? 
<laughs> that would be great if he was. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. Fred Savage accused of forcing himself on X Wonder Years crew. Wow. Okay. Yeah, so not really happy with Ben. There was like also in Girl Meets World that episode that's like really anti-communist. It was like, it was crazy. What do you mean? There was like an episode where they like learn that communism is bad. <laughs> In Girl Meets World. Was, is it from the Cold War? Like, why no, would they No, ever... they were, like, in class. They but were... I'm like, why now? Like, I... I don't understand. I don't understand. Like, yeah. why... Not, it's really... Wait, hold on. there's not anti-communist sentiment in America. It's just not as popular as it used to be. It's just weird to put it in Girl Meets World. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sort of like, why? Where Ben Savage plays a teacher. Okay, what's this? We are putting up a wall to protect ourselves from them. They're dressed as communists. Do you think that's a little extreme? It's the judgment of the honor board to separate those who cheat. Share. Hey, we all said it at the same time. I'm hungry. What is happening to us? Uh, <sighs> we Good don't want to become like them. We'd rather remain a free society of individuals instead of whatever the heck that was. But isn't the best part of a free society the fact that it allows its people to consider all beliefs? Yeah, but I want my friends back, Mr. Matthews. Can you fix this? You know, I graded your recent exams. Mr. Fryer, 100%. You get an A. Mr. Babineau, 100%. You get an A. Ms. Hart, Ms. Matthews, Farkle, 100%. You get a C. What? We get a what's that you say now? get 100% and get a C. Because when you get everything right, but you don't do it yourselves, it makes you Fuck average. off. Fuck off. I'm done this with that. This is about cheating. I'm done with that. Is a C. Look at you. Isn't that I crazy? That. I really, 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 really dislike that. Isn't that, that fucking crazy? I really dislike that. It's like that. weird propaganda in I a children's really TV show. That. In America. <laughs> so creepy. I hate that. Okay. So much. <laughs> Fuck so you, much. Ben Savage. You're. Well, I hope you don't get elected. Well, I mean, who's the who's he running against? I don't know, but dude, I was as everybody knows now. I'm I'm babysitting in some nice parts of the city, and the Rick Caruso signs. I'm telling you, I everywhere. I when I walk to Soup Kitchen, it's Rick Caruso, Mitchell Farrell signs. Oh, because you go through Hancock Park. I go through a fancy part of town. Yeah. And it's like all of these rich people. And then I go to Soup Kitchen and it's like unhoused people that Mitchell Farrell hates and Rick Caruso hates. Literally. I'm just like, ooh, it winds me up. It takes everything in me to not take the signs down because I'm babysitting and that would be wrong. But no, that I I'm can't take the signs down because I'm brown Walking? and it's daytime. Yeah. And you'd have, to, you'd have to walk with the sign the rest yeah, of the Yeah, and then I'm like promoting. Yeah. <laughs> okay. The NLRB, this is fun. The National Labor Relations Board, in a step towards progress, ruled what this week? A, Amazon is required to give back pay for years withholding bathroom and lunch breaks. Whoa. B, Starbucks illegally withheld pay or benefits from workers at hundreds of unionizing stores. And they're requiring Howard Schultz to read a statement to workers on video about their own union rights. I would sell Or C, Walmart has to award injured workers workers' comp despite a loophole regarding the location of some of their warehouses on land whose ownership has been disputed. Oh, interesting. I know for sure the Howard Schultz thing and that he has to record a video talking yep. about... It's B. I made the other ones up, but I oh. hope they're. They, I hope that happens. Those progress things happen. But yeah, Starbucks illegally withheld pain benefits, and they have to have Schultz record a video, just being like, "We fucked up." 
I think they should do that for every evil villain. I'm so interested in that. And also, have you heard the the store on Hollywood and Vine is closed because they said that workers didn't feel safe, but then a bunch of people were like, no, it's because they were trying to unionize. <gasps> so they, they broke everybody up and shuffled them around. That sucks. Yeah, it does. <laughs> yeah, it does. <laughs> that sucks. It does. But it's also like, I mean, we talk about this endlessly, but what is legal and what is, al- it's like anything as legal as if you can afford to defend it in court. Oh yeah, 100%. Like, I- or if you can afford to pay the fines. Like every company just does what they want to do and they deal with the fallout afterwards. Yeah. And it also works the other way. I saw this tweet that was like, oh, people made it illegal to give mutual aid to unhoused people, like to have them come pick stuff up. So they're like, fuck that. We're taking care of people. So we got around it by like leaving food in parks and having other people go pick go, it up you know, and we're going to keep doing that. We're going to end fuck that is legality. So evil. It's illegal to get an abortion so right evil. now in some States. Like the law is not correct. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. And you also really have to decide like just, I mean, specifically for white people, you just have to be like, yeah, I'm not going to follow that. And yeah. like whatever happens happens. But like, it's my, it's, you know, it's my duty as somebody who has more power in the world to push back on stuff like that. Yep, that's fucked. And Starbucks was like, we don't think that's right. Everybody was paid. Come on. But they were withholding like new health benefits from unionized stores. Yeah. Which is illegal. Yeah. Also, it's so funny that Starbucks accused the National Labor Board of colluding with the baristas. Yeah. <laughs> like the government would ever fucking care to do that at all. That's so funny. It's like these people who you're protecting, you're colluding with them. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> like, oh my do gosh. they not? It's like people discovering that they, like, that the law can come for them too. It's so funny to me when that happens. They're like, you're cheating. Yeah. <laughs> you're cheating by protecting human rights. Yeah. But I'm also like, you know, it's a great time for labor in America and I'm excited. And the ghost of Ronald Reagan, we're going to cast him out of this country. Yeah. It's haunted. It's one haunted by one right to work law at a time. Hell yeah. Cool. That's our trivia game. Oh, fun. And now we're going to introduce our interview with Kenneth Mejia. We had such a great time. If you want to support him, he's actually our mutual aid babe of the week. He absolutely is. You can go to his website, which it's Mejia for controller.com. So it's M E J I A for controller.com. And just go to the tab that says give. And obviously you know that the election is in November and he's running against an incumbent who really just hasn't done anything. So donate to his campaign and if you can't donate money, definitely donate your time. They'll be, you know, they'll be out there campaigning. You can make phone calls, text bank, etc. There are a lot of ways to help out. Maybe one day you'll design a billboard for him. Yeah. Yeah, we do get into that about how he's utilizing campaign resources in different ways, specifically as it pertains to like Gen Z media stuff. It's very brilliant. I think it's really cool. It's also just from like a campaign's perspective, a really interesting look at how effective campaigns are changing. Yeah. Yeah. So this is our interview. Hope you enjoy it. Have fun. Thank you so much for being here. We are so excited to have you on our podcast. We are huge fans of your campaign. um, And we see a lot of what you've been up to on social media. So we're like really excited to have you. Well, thanks to both of you for having me. Um, I've actually may- done maybe one or two podcasts in my life. So great really? to be on. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> I think actually only one. So <laughs> it's my second podcast. We're honored. <laughs> <laughs> um, first of all, we want to ask you, uh, what are you running for? Why do you want this position? What do you think you can do in it? 
Yeah, the city controller is the city's uh, accountant and auditor. So some of the functions are including um, handling the city's finances, making sure we're doing the accounting for it, uh, making sure that every dollar that's spent or received um, is booked correctly and is also uh, being shown in terms of transparency in a way that's easy to understand and access. In addition, as the auditor, being able to audit city departments and programs to make sure that they are performing as expected and also tying that back to your tax dollars to see if we're paying X amount, what are we getting out of that? So that's just, um, you know, there are two main ones. And then the third one would also be uh, paying, you know, paying vendors, paying payroll for the city. Okay. So some real finance nerd stuff, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A lot of uh, to what, um, you know, most people would call, call boring stuff. So. <laughs> And you're a CPA. I saw that on your your Twitter username. <laughs> Correct, so you have yes. the background for it. Mm-hmm. Yep. So what do you see that's happening now with the budget that you want to change? Or do you think funds are being used properly? What what made you want to run? Right. So that's a good question. One thing to note is that the controller doesn't have a say in what goes into the budget or changing it. Um, the best uh, power that we have in terms of the budget is using our, uh, you know, transparency and accountability slash audit tools, right? Showing during the year, what is our budget getting us? What is our spending getting us? And then showing it to the people and then to council and to the mayor and be like, hey, you know, you budgeted, you know, 500 million for this department, but they're not meeting their performance measures. or They're not using it correctly. or They're not doing this. And they're like, you know what? The controller's right. Maybe they don't need this much. Or maybe they do need more because they're un- underfunded based on this audit report. So that's like the best way that the controller can can affect the budget is just, uh, um, you know, showing uh, reports and on how the money's being used now. I, you know, I, I, I ran for this position because, number one, I feel like the city's finances, let alone the budget, is very hard to uh, access or fine or you know say you do find it, it's hard to understand and i felt like um you know you need someone who can understand money who can understand how it's booked how it's accounted for and explain it to people in a way that is really easy to understand so you know we do that in our tweets we do that in our websites we create we do that in a billboard um we take this data that is um you know, in a 500 page document and we put it like in a, in a, in an easy to use, um, you know, spreadsheet or, or post. And so that's, you know, one of the main reasons why I decided to run, you know, if it, you know, one of the areas and one of the questions you asked is what would you change about the budget? Well, um, you know, like I said, I can't change the budget, but I would love there to be more oversight, especially on our largest programs and departments, you know, like many people want, um, the police to have an, a full audit to see where our money's going. People want to have an audit on homelessness spending. Um, and that's, that's, we agree, you know, we agree. And I think everyone agrees because an audit is not necessarily a bad thing. It's just to make sure that um, the departments and the programs are working as intended. So you wanted to audit the sheriff's department and we saw that incredible billboard with the police budget um, being so much greater than um, the spending on homelessness and other departments. Um, what do you, how do you feel about policing in the city? And how do you like, how do you think this would help? 
So um, the, the city controller in the city of LA, uh, the sheriff is not under our jurisdiction. So the sheriff is under LA County. Um, the, LA, the LAPD is under the city of LA. So, um, you know, the city of LA, we're, we're going to spend this fiscal year uh, close to $3.2 billion, right? It's about 30% of our total city budget. It's about um, close to half of our discretionary funding funds that could be spent on anything. Um, and so, you know, I think people want to know if we're going to spend this much on, on policing, right? $3.2 billion. If you look at the, uh, the billboard and you compare it to other departments or other services and programs, you'll see that the policing, it basically is so much larger. Um, and I don't really need to explain it. I just need to show people a graph, right? Or I just need to share people a bar chart. <laughs> and yeah. I think I think that's what people want to know, right? Like, are the police solving crime? Are the police preventing crime? If they're preventing crime, are crime stats lower? If increased funding equates to lower crime, how come when we increased funding, crime is still going up? Or how come their their solving rate for solving crime is very low? Right? Uh, what are they doing? And I think. That's what what we want to find out and provide that um, data driven um, analysis, and that's what the controller can do. And I think everyone can agree um, with that. You know, when we talk to Republicans and Democrats, they they agree. Like, all right, well, you just want to know our money is being spent. Is it being spent effectively? And so that's that's one. That's, you know, those are some of the big reasons why we wanted the police. In addition, the police make up the largest. Um, category of lawsuits for our city, right? And it relates to excessive force. It relates to um, civil rights violations, you know, um, you know, killing people, um, you know, most of the time where, uh, uh, you know, police violence against people happen are people who are uh, people experiencing homelessness. And I think, you know, that begs the question, if we're paying this much amount of money, why, why are these things still happening? Why are we still getting sued for the city? Why are, why are we not getting the proper training? Or why are, uh, you know, instead of uh, police handling these situations, maybe there is an alternative that can handle these situations instead. And, when, you know, that's what I want to do. And that's what, um, you know, I've been doing research on and on different uh, public safety responses, especially when it comes to uh, people experiencing mental health issues or homelessness. So you went to Colorado and you with Unices Hernandez and you learned about the STAR program, the support team assisted response. Can you tell us about that as an alternative to policing? Yes. So that was actually really, really one of the main reasons why um, I went there was to, to learn more from the people who created the program. And um, <clears throat> it was actually really, really uh, eye opening about what you can do with such a small team right i think um they've had what over five thousand calls and none of them required police backup and for those who don't know the star program um, is an alternative response instead of sending police to 911 calls relating to uh, mental health crises or, or substance use or or, or homelessness related um, criminalization policies they send out a licensed behavioral therapist, and they send out an EMT. So it's a team of two. They wear clothes like what you and I are wearing right now. They look very chill. 
So, you know, um, you know, because police presence can escalate a situation, right? So they come in like this, this van looks pretty cool. It's like a, it's like a nicer Scooby-Doo looking kind of van. <laughs> and it has like, uh, it has a lot of supplies in there. It's very spacious. And so they essentially are the ones responding to these calls. And what they notice is that they, they, they analyze 911 calls and they realize a lot of uh, the calls were happening in a certain area and it related to a certain type of, um, you know, complaint or call from a caller, you know, such as, oh, someone's loitering, oh, someone's doing drugs or someone's like, and then they realize like, well, police aren't the best equipped to handle these situations, right? And so they created this, this program, this pilot, and it's actually very successful. So now they have 20 teams of uh, licensed behavioral therapists and EMTs and that's something that we should honestly look into. You know, in the city of LA, every four minutes, the LAPD gets a call relating to someone who's experiencing homelessness. Why are you going to send out a cop that makes like, you know, $134,000 to, to handle these calls, right? Um, why not send someone who's better trained? Um, you know, a licensed behavioral therapist in Denver has, uh, has a master's program because uh, they study behavior and how people act. And so, um, those are just some of the reasons why we want to really look into what do the police do? How are they handling it now? And can it be done better? And is there an alternative? Going back to uh, police misconduct, does are the lawsuits that are settled, does that come out of the police budget or does that come out of discretionary funds? Um, so good question. The question was, um, do these, do the police lawsuits or settlements come out of the police department's budget? or discretionary funding. So they do not come out of the police budget. So the $3.2 billion that we pay for police, yeah, we so we pay on top of that. Um, it comes out of the general fund. And so, you know, the, the general fund can pay for anything, like services, um, resources to help people instead of these lawsuits. Um, but it does come out of the general fund. And I think a, a lot of people, you know, they 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 feel that if if you were to dock it from their department budget, they would be more accountable to their decisions that they make. Um, so yeah, I mean, these lawsuits are hefty, they're large. I think the largest one this year is related to the LAPD killing um, you know, someone at Costco who has an intellectual disability and you know, they shot, he shot his parents to an accident and like missed. And they're arguing over um, uh, sampling sausages at the sample line at Costco. And so it's like, you know, just things like that. And now we have to end up paying close to, I think, 20 million, close to 20 million uh, for this officer's action. <clears throat> um, so when you visited uh, Colorado and you looked at the STAR program, where did that money come out of? How did they start funding that? Right. So when they first started, I think it came from a uh, private funding. Um, so you get it from like grants, for example. The biggest thing about trying to implement um, a pilot or a program and not just in Denver, but anywhere is where's the money going to come from? And so I think there they had, they had some private funding um, to help pay for it. Um, their budget is not that large. I think I think this year. It's like, I, I forgot, it's either 2 million or 4 million, but it's tiny, like, like in the, in the ask, you know, when you compare 2 million, 4 million to like 
three billion, you know, that's zero percent, right? Um, and so now when now that they're like in their third year, I think, um, they have half of it come from city, the city budget, and the other half still comes from, you know, private uh funding as well. And so that's what I'm trying to do as as city controller and the numbers guy is to supply these numbers to council members who can make this happen, like Unisys, right? And I think um, that's actually what I'm, uh, I'm working on. And it's, and it's good to talk about this because I, I get to remember what I, what I did. Um, so that's, that's how they do it. <clears throat> Ellery, do you have more questions? Yeah, uh, what was the last, when was the last time a city uh, department was audited and what was it? What was the department? <laughs> I mean, city departments, uh, they do get audited. Um, sometimes when they do, they pick like a specific uh, program of it usually. So for example, like um, in recent years, there was an audit on the fire department, right? And they looked at a whistleblower who gave a tip to the controller that firefighters, that there were some firefighters who were, um, you know, erroneously booking overtime so what you saw is that these firefighters are getting paid like double triple their hourly rate and um what they found out was that there were like no controls in place to see if those hours were legit so like the supervisor would sign off on it but they didn't know if those hours were you know it was just signing off right like if, if you work the hourly like your supervisor, code. yeah i just signed it what you saw was that these, these guys are paying, uh, getting paid a lot. And, you know, if people don't know if firefighters make the most in the city of LA, um, you know, the, the large, the highest paid employee in the city um, can make over half a million a year. And so, you know, they, they just want to make sure that the hours being booked were legitimate, right? Um, <clears throat> you know, other departments include things like, you know, sanitation, like how much does it cost to do sweeps or how are sweeps doing? Are they, are they doing well? And so, you know, usually you take a department and then you look at um, a specific program in that department or see, um, you know, what are they, what are they doing? And then we audit around uh, their performance to see like if they're doing it right. So um, I haven't seen an audit or <laughs> audit on the police uh, in a long time. So, or maybe at all, but maybe, you know, I'll look into that. So um yeah, I also want to do an audit on homelessness spending to make sure that that money is being used correctly. We do it, we do it on HHH, but um, <clears throat> I want to do it more on the service oriented uh, related um, as well. And then also on shelters too. So, so yeah. <clears throat> I think that's a really great idea. I know that California has a budget surplus of 97 billion this year. What does that mm -hmm. mean for LA? Um, I mean, like the obvious, I think if if we can get some of those funds, um, state funding, you know, whether it's through state grant or not, um, that could really help our city. But the question is not like, do we have enough money? We do have enough money. Like we have a lot of money. Um, it's how are we using that money? Is that money being used in an equitable way to help the departments that need to help this city thrive? Is it going to uh, the communities or areas that, that need more funding than others? 
and that's the question that that we always ask is like okay well we have money but is it is it being used efficiently and effectively and in an equitable manner and and i think that's what um <clears throat> i want to look into it you know many people know the answer it's not being used in an equitable manner. <laughs> uh and so you know like the more money we get from the state it's like great but where's that money gonna go so it all depends on that question is where is it going <clears throat> Um, yeah, I am currently fostering a dog and we both love animals very much. And we noticed that you've been very involved in kind of uncovering the lack of use of funds that have been allocated for LA animal shelters. Can you speak on this a little bit? Right, right, right. So last month, um, the LA Times released an expose on what's happening at the City of LA Animal Shelters. They found out that dogs were not being walked for weeks or even months. And this came from, uh, you know, whistleblowers, like people who were on the ground who, who donated thousands, tens of thousands of hours to caring for the, the shelter animals. And so, you know, the sad part is, is that a lot of these city officials and they've known about this, the politicians, the commissioners, the department, you know, these volunteers, these advocates call into like every meeting, you know, animal advocates are some of the, they're very, very passionate. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> and so they, they've been like letting them know since as far as like 2016. And so like, imagine it's 2022, and you still have these conditions and shelters that are just, you know, borderline abusive. Like these, imagine not being walked or, uh, or having, um, you know, just being forced to urinate or defecate in your, your kennel because you can't move around and you're not getting taken out or your, your floor is literally wet the entire day because they have like leaking faucets and um, it's just terrible conditions. And, um, you know, we're glad that this is coming to light. But the sad part is, is too, that these volunteers who speak up, they get suspended or they get terminated. And that's what you saw. You know, there are there are volunteers who've been doing this for years and they spoke up and um, the people, I mean, it's the animals who suffer the most. And because these are the most dedicated volunteers, the people who, who care about the dogs, who care about the cats, the animals, the small animals. And when they say something because they can't take it anymore, they get they get kicked out. And there's this there's this culture um, where like at LAAS, LA Animal Service Services, um, where they feel like, oh, we treasure the volunteers, but we don't like it when they act like watchdogs with us. Well, it's like, well, you know, maybe do your job or listen to them when they tell you about these conditions. You know, don't just ignore them because. What you're going to happen is you're going to get someone who's going to whistleblow and go to the press. And that's what happened last month. So it's a very sad situation. Um, you know, our campaign as city controller, we want to audit the LAS uh, department. We want to make sure that, you know, what's wrong? You know, what is the culture? How are they like, for example, I could just tell you about inefficiencies and ineffectiveness, but they have one part time clerk processing like a thousand volunteer applications. It's like, what the hell? Like, how are you going to have, you know, get like a Gen Z millennial, like get me on there. I'll volunteer my time free and I'll go through this computer 
and I will literally um, process a bunch myself. And so, you know, those are just those are just some of the examples of the inefficiencies and uh, ineffectiveness of our department, right? Um, you know, and just and and then just the culture of retaliation is something we want to look into as well. <clears throat> you have a dog yourself, right? Yeah, I got two corgis. There's one. Below. Yeah, little famous dogs on this campaign. <laughs> Yeah, and they're, um, the way it connects to this campaign is the controller, another name for the controller is the city's watchdog. And so we were able to um, uh, make that connection. And we have, we use the the dog and they're like, why do you use a corgi? Or is the, is the corgi running? Because it'll be a, a picture of a corgi. Yeah. Art sign. I'm like, no, nah, he's not running, but he's a watchdog. So. <laughs> yeah. oh, I love that so much. Ellery, what were you saying just now? We missed it. Oh, I just said that I love that a lot. That's so sweet. Yeah. <laughs> not your traditional watchdog <laughs> corgis so aside from like are audits really the way to go about refunding social services like to start looking at how we're misusing funds and how we can get things better in line with sort of our ideas as citizens you know i think um uh, i think audits could be used to help better use um, resources and funding because it, it, it shines a light like it does a, a an analysis it does a deep dive it looks at statistics it looks at um results data-driven results and so it definitely can help with that but like i said it's at the end of the day it's going to be up to the council and the mayor what we notice from past controllers is they'll do an audit or they'll release something and nothing happens like it's uh, that's why one of the big differences about us is that I'm coming in as an outsider. Many of the people who have this position are like, they were career politicians or they ran before, or they worked at city hall or have some connection to city hall. I don't. And I think the LA times when they endorsed us, they, they put it nicely in there saying that Kenneth Mejia can use the power of the bully pulpit. And that's what we're doing, right? Like when we do our audits, we're going to blast this to the media. We're going to blast this on social media. We're going to blast this to the millions of Angelinos who want to know like, hey, this is where your government is spending your money. This is what your government's doing with these policies. Like, And, and in turn, we hope that when the people get this or we have, you know, good council members who won't give us pushback, they'll... Put, they'll push for that systemic change for they'll push for that um uh funding to go somewhere else right and that's really like i said the the, the main power of the controller in terms of affecting funding is, is showing where it's going now giving recommendations on where it could go and then just disseminating that information to the people and then the people are the ones who will like make those uh pushes for it <clears throat> nice power to the people <laughs> exactly Ellie, do you have a? I think other... that, that's it for me as far as questions go. So, what were you? Um, how, I guess like you you mentioned Gen Z and millennials like having an influence or maybe being able to contribute. What do you see like differently with this new generation of people jumping into politics? You, you know, I think Gen Z, well, millennials and especially Gen Z. They are uh, 
they're able to process things a lot faster. They're able to use technology to their advantage and, and communicate in a way that is, um, especially Gen Zers, sometimes I still don't figure out how they do these TikToks, but they're very effective at at least making people stop and like, I know this is going to get someone's attention and they do it. I'm like, oh, I did get my attention and I'm like stuck watching and I'm trying to redo it as a, you know, someone in my 30s <laughs> being effective as them. But, you know, I think they're the future and, and they know because they have technology at the, you know, at the palm of their hands, they could see what's wrong, like immediately. Um, you know, whereas, uh, you know, we're millennial or, or Gen X or older, you have to do research, right, to, to find out what's wrong. Or you get your information from TV, um, from traditional news outlets. And so, you know, I think the Gen Zers and the future, the youth, um, they know what they want. They see what's wrong and they are able to fight for it much, uh, much more effectively. Right. Cause you know, are you, what are you going to do? Fight 16 year olds, 15 year olds? Like, no, it's going to look terrible. Uh, you're going to fight for them who want their, uh, free college so that they can have a, a chance at competing, um, or, or student debt cancellation or, or, or an environment that's green and clean free from fossils. Like, no, you're not going to fight them. Right. You're going to listen to them because it was our, it's our, generation or older who sort of put us in this mess and so you know for us for our campaign particularly you know our our campaign is driven by gen z and many of the websites or the websites that you that you all see if you ever seen our resource tools our maps or anything it's been done by by um someone who graduated from high school who's a who's a freshman in college and he found out about us by the way shout out to, to kyler that's that's his name and he found out about us because i was I was twerking in front of a budget on, uh, on TikTok. <laughs> and so, you know, like, I, like I'm saying, like the way the Gen Zers just communicate with each other, things just stick out to them. They're like, you know what, like that's, that's what I want to get involved in. And so you'd be surprised at how many people are on our campaign because of a TikTok or because of a tweet or because of social media. And it's usually, you know, the, the youth, younger generations who use these tools. But, you know, our, our, our campaign is over 1,200 volunteers. It's, it's you know, multi-generational, very diverse to, um, I don't think we've ever seen a controller campaign about accounting and auditing, like have more than like 10 volunteers, right? Let alone, our campaign probably has one of the largest teams in the entire city right now, or, you know, in the country. And I think that is, we made that exciting and I, it couldn't have been done without the youth is what I'm saying. So the youth plays a very important role on messaging um, and how this, on how the direction of uh, this country goes. <clears throat> cool. Um, is there anything else you would like our podcast listeners to know or any, any other message you'd like to put out there? Um, you know, I just, you know, if you're listening, if you're from Los Angeles, the city controller is the city's accountant and an auditor, and we've never had a CPA. We never had an accountant or auditor in this position before. And it only makes sense, you know, literally, pun intended sense. I'm just kidding. <laughs> it only makes sense to have someone who can actually go in there and break down the city's finances in a way that's easy to understand and accessible. And that's one of the main reasons why we won, like why we won overwhelmingly in the primary in a crowded race of seven people. And so, you know, I hope, you know, politics aside, qualifications and just, you know, you can look at to see, you know, maybe we can actually have someone who's done this before be the city's accountant and auditor. 
um, because he's done it and he really wants people to know. And I tell people, look at our website, I'm here for controller.com, see just what we've been able to use because of the knowledge and tools that we gain from school or from our work experience, right? It's like, it's very uh, relatable to what we're doing in real life. Like we're having a huge um, effect now on policy and it doesn't just come because you're a career politician. It came because this is something we studied. This is something we, we do for a living. And so, you know, I hope when people vote, um, they vote for someone who can do the job, right? <clears throat> awesome. Thank you so much for being here. So much for being on. It was so great to talk to you. We're so excited about your campaign. It's been great. Yeah. Awesome. awesome. Thank, thank you both. And if uh, any of you want merch or yard signs or window signs. Oh, yeah, for yeah. sure. We'll hit you up. <laughs> Thank awesome. you. Thank you Thank so you. much. Have a nice day. So that was our interview with Kenneth Mejia. It was super fun. We love you guys so much. Thank you for tuning in. Yep. And here's another reminder to donate to his campaign. And to vote November 4th. Please, please, please vote. There please are a vote. lot of really, really important races on the ballot. Um, and, you know, local elections, your voice goes a little bit further. So, yeah. National elections, sometimes I get disheartened. Local elections, I've been really happy recently. I've been so happy with how they're turning out yeah. and, like, who's getting on the ballot. And I'm really excited about, you know, the new wave of L.A. progressives. Yeah. And, like, th there is such a consortium and, like, group in the city that really cares about giving back, really cares about progressivism, and is doing everything they can to fight against neoliberal interests in ways that are positive for everybody in the community. And I, it's given me a lot of hope specifically. Yeah, me yeah. too. I'm really happy. So meeting adjourned. You meeting guys adjourned. know your homework for the week. See you next time. Bye. Bye. This episode of the City Council Podcast was written, created, and produced by Paula Biganalan and Ellery Smith. Our music was written and produced by Ruby Ibarra. Be sure to follow us at City Council, spelled S-E-L, show on Instagram and Twitter for more weekly podcasts and monthly live stand-up comedy shows. Thanks for listening. Yeah.